Welcome to this podcast from the Arctic Frontiers Conference 2013. We're speaking with attendees, speakers, and members of the Young Scientists Forum about their work, their hopes, and their concerns for the future of the Arctic. This is a joint effort of the Arctic Frontiers Conference, the Geopolitics in the High North Program, and the Arctic Institute. I'm Tom Fries. Today, I'm speaking with Martin Summercorn. Martin is the head of conservation for WWF's Global Arctic Program and an ecosystem ecologist by training. I'd also like to thank LOAS, the group that's provided the music that you'll hear at the beginning and end of each podcast. Hi there, Martin. Thanks very much for taking some time to speak with me today. I know we're all very busy here at the conference. Uh, could I ask you to start us off by talking a little bit about your current work and or any plans that you have for the near-term future? Oh, sure. Yeah. So I work currently as head of conservation for WWF's Global Arctic Program, which is the coordinating office for WWF to uh, actually work uh, strategically in the region. That doesn't mean that it's all covering all that WWF is doing in the Arctic, but it's actually the strategic focus more on a high level than on the local level, but not always. I've been in this position more or less for four and a half years now. I started as a science advisor, really, in terms of climate change, which is very much at the heart of what I'm doing now as well. But uh, on top of basically just a science advisor role, I also advise strategically now and coordinate strategically um, of how WF can actually grapple with a changing Arctic and what does that mean to conservation. So you've been in this role with WWF for several years now. Could I ask you if there were any unexpected steps that you took on your way to this current position? I guess the most unexpected step, uh, as many of my former colleagues, and as actually increasingly also again current colleagues would say, is to step out of research as such. So I made a deliberate decision uh, five years ago to not continue on a research track. I have a almost 15 years career as a researcher on Arctic terrestrial ecosystem ecology and not to write more papers on soil respiration, carbon flow, carbon nutrient interaction in tundra, which is what I did, um, but to really um, make a point and apply this Arctic system knowledge and other knowledge of the Arctic that I have gathered over being there, traveling, researching uh, for making the Arctic actually a better place. So that was always very close to my heart, and some of my, my research colleagues didn't understand it at the time. Um, I have been able to maintain, I hope, I think, uh, scientific credibility during my time at WWF. Um, I work still at the interface of science to policy. I even do some convening and coordination of research activities. And increasingly so again, um, I connect to research at a very different level again. Uh, and this would be transdisciplinary, multidisciplinary research, for example, uh, targeting Arctic resilience building. So you said that you're turning your skills now to working towards a better Arctic. Uh, could you tell me a little bit, when, when you think of a better Arctic uh, in the future, how do you think your work and that of the WWF is contributing to achieving that? This is a, a, a huge challenge, and um, if I think positively about it, if I, which is what I mostly succeed in doing, it's also the, probably the world's biggest opportunity. Um, the Arctic, as we know, is changing rapidly. 
And uh, so joining a conservation organization with a classical conservation remit is actually a challenge in it by itself. But WWF has this much wider remit than just conservation. It's basically the uh, world's largest sustainability organization. And really what I think we can do in the Arctic is um, using existing uh, concepts and frameworks, expanding on them uh, with all the might of a global conservation organization and um, bringing them to the Arctic to make the Arctic actually continue working even with the changes that are coming. And uh, this might sound a bit abstract, but it is really um, not conservation in terms of keeping a place as it is, but a conservation that shapes change so that we have still functioning ecosystems that people can rely on, that they receive services from. And I think the, the opportunity is so great because the Arctic is a place where some of the conditions underpinning the stewardship approach really are in place. Uh, there's good cooperation, there's will, uh, some, there's a lot of space to play with, um, and the pressures are only now mounting. So this is the time actually to create frameworks and to make uh, basic, prepare the ground politically for, for adopting these frameworks um, to base human activities in the Arctic on a more safe and, and sustainable trajectory. So in your current role, uh, part of your work is, of course, to have a broad overview of the Arctic conversation, let's call it that. So as you are looking at that conversation, whether it's on the policy side or the science side, do you see anything that's missing? Do you see anything that people should be talking about that they aren't? I would I would be in the wrong place if I wouldn't have an opinion about what is missing. So a part of my job is, of course, to challenge the political framework. Um, I think there is there are several things missing, even uh, from established frameworks that tackle conservation, that tackle um, you know fisheries or other resources use. Um, when you look around here at Arctic Frontiers, you will find that there is actually lots of good intent to make things better and to to uh, grapple with climate change. For example, the ecosystem approach um, will will is brought forward as such a such a solution, which is correct. But what many people don't understand, and really which is absent from the frameworks that are uh, in place in the Arctic, is that in order to do such an approach with an effect in an, in an Arctic of climate change, you actually have to connect much better than you do right now. There is people talking about ecosystem, about, uh, ecosystem approach in fisheries, but that doesn't mean that necessarily other activities like shipping, like resource extraction, like oil and gas exploration, and maybe production in the marine side will be integrated into the same thinking, into the same frameworks. The overall driver of change, of change-related impacts, that is the number one concern of the Arctic, climate change. The mitigation of that is not tackled as part of a framework of how we adapt to it, how we develop our approaches to resource, uh, to, 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 to resource exploitation. It is just completely decoupled. Mm -hmm. So 
the challenge really is to say that a stewardship approach to Arctic resources has to consider these has to consider these scales, all of them, and have to try to make a connection, maybe through the Arctic Council, maybe through other uh, players, to actually connect these things strategically. Because otherwise, we won't have an Arctic that will be will be functioning still. In terms of making connections like the ones you're talking about, uh, do you see that as a potential benefit of conferences like Arctic Frontiers? And how do you how do you see uh, events like this uh, in general? Hmm. I think uh, there's lots of detail to be said about in answer to that question. But I think in general, uh, uh, meeting places, uh, bringing industry, uh, politicians and scientists together are a very good idea to foster this, this, uh, this approach. Um, I think uh, the concept itself is actually uh, very well thought out. Uh, whether it works is another question, uh, and I don't think it actually works um, because uh, the spheres stay separated, even here at the conference. Uh, and so I would be mildly positive to to the concept, but not necessarily very positive to, uh, to Arctic Frontiers in itself. However, uh, there are other agendas that people that 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 come to here have, and that's a lot about the informal size of things and and information exchange that happens outside the the sessions. And therefore, uh, for this purpose, the Arctic Frontiers is a good meeting place. Thanks for joining us for this interview. Follow along with the series on iTunes or via our websites, arcticfrontiers.com and thearcticinstitute.org. The music you've heard at the beginning and end of this interview is from Loas, from their album Wind and Water. You can hear more from them on iTunes. Just search for their name, which is spelled L-O-E-S-S. -S.